Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. So, I, I'm excited about today and I'm excited about what I'm going to share because um, today's the day we get to celebrate Jesus and celebrate what he actually did for us and what he accomplished. So I was going to start out, I'm going to start out um, preaching the gospel really from, from Genesis. And um, if I had a title for this, it'd probably be um, the Genesis of a Resurrection because um, that's when it all began. We just start, um, celebrated Passover here Wednesday and Passover was something that was promised to to the children of Israel way before they ever went in into slavery God had made a promise to Abraham and he had cut a covenant with Abraham and he told him exactly what was going to happen and he told him exactly how it was going to go but he was going to bring him out and so I want to read that to you because I think it's real important for us to understand what what God's doing now Passover was the day when the children of Israel they were in slavery and so um God sent Moses and said, said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And so they, Pharaoh's like, no, I won't let my people go. And so anyway, he ended up in a lot of trouble and, and they had all these plagues and all these plagues had something similar because every plague that happened actually was kind of a, a diss to the gods that the Egyptians had, even even up to to the point of when they come to, to the death of the four, firstborn. God told them, he said, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to, to kill the lamb and I want you to sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. And when the death angel sees that, he will pass over that that house. And so that's where Passover come from. But um, the lamb was so important because like a lot of the rabbis talk when they're talking about Passover, they talk about how that they... they um, well, not a lot of them, but some of them that I've that that I've um, read or listened to talk about how that that the lamb was actually um, one of the gods that that the Egyptians worshipped, and so Moses was actually afraid. He's like, man, if we slaughter the lambs, they're going to come kill us for sure. But God made a plan, and so he he made a spectacle of all these false gods and all these false doctrines and stuff, and he brought these people out. Not on their own power, but by the blood of the Lamb. And, that, and um, that same power is available to you today through another Lamb that I'll get to here shortly. But I want to start in Genesis because I think it's real important. So I'm going to start in Genesis, actually, chapter 15, verse 1. And it says this, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. This is actually one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because God's telling him, don't be afraid. You know, you've got all these things that, that you followed me and trusted me and, and I promised you all these things, but there was still something that he had on his heart. He was wanting a, an heir. He was wanting a son. And so he, at this point, he's really discouraged and he's discouraged to the point where he's thinking he's going to have to leave everything that that God's blessed him with this to another man to one of his servants and so here he is all worried about that all all concerned about that and God comes up and this is what he says again I love it because he's saying 
Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. So many of us may be going through those same kind of fears today. Maybe it's not the same kind of fear he had, but maybe it's fear. How am I going to get through the next day? Or maybe you're struggling with, with health in this, or maybe you've lost a loved one, or maybe, I I don't know, there's all kinds of things you could be going through, but I promise you, no matter what it what, what it is, God has made a way for you, and he says, I'll be your shield. I'll be your your very great reward. The King James says you're exceedingly great reward, and I love that. And one again, one of my favorite scriptures in in all the Bible. And we're coming down here to verse two. But Abraham said, "O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus." And Abraham said, "You have given me no children." So a servant in my household will be an heir. He's like, man, God, you promised me, but it's I still haven't seen the promise. So now I'm just going to give up. And and when it's done, because like you're not going to keep your word, and, and then someone else is going to be my heir, right? And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took, out, he took him outside and said, Look up at the stars and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. You know, he said, You know what, Abram? Not only is that man not going to be your heir, but out of your own loins, I'm going to birth, birth um, an heir and heirs. And it's going to be so immense. Man, look at the stars and you can't even count them. He said, That's how many they're going to be. You, you're not going to be able to count him. And do you know what Abram said? He said, no way. What are you talking about? You know, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. How how can this be? And and, and um, so, no, he didn't say that. Do you know what the next scripture says? It says, and Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay. Now, Abraham believed the Lord and he, and he credited it. He, it was credited to him. He believed God. He believed what God said. And God said, I'm going to credit to your account that you're righteous because of what you, because of what, what, um, you believed what I said. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out, you know, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of them. But Abraham said, how will I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove. And Abram brought all these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves, each opposite each other. The bird, uh, the birds, however, he didn't cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved. Well, that's not good news, right? And mistreated 400 years. Like God even told him how many years they would be there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Now that's good news. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. 
On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. And then he told him where all the land he was going to give him. And it's pretty important. But one, one of the things I want to point out to you, to you is that Abraham did not walk through, through the sacrifices. It said when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So God himself said, I'm going to make this covenant with you, Abraham. I'm going to make this promise to you, Abraham, and I'm going to keep it, not because you're good, not because you're cool, but because you believed me when I said what I said, and I'm going to make it happen. And so Abraham made the covenant with him, and, and it was because of God's covenant that God walked through God said, it's not going to be a covenant that base, is based on you walking through it, Abraham. It's going to be a covenant based on what I do and what I've done. And it's a similar covenant to what God made with us when, when he, he provided a lamb that's coming up here pretty soon. So here at Abraham, I love it because we get to, to, to Genesis chapter 21 and the Bible says um, they waited. Man, they were old when they had this baby. They were like 90. Sarah's like 90. I think Abraham was like 99 right? They're old, man. I mean, that's not the time when you're ready to start a family, but God provided and God made a way. There's Maybe you're thinking that it's too late for what God told you and what God promised you, but I promise you it's not. If he can do that, he can do anything in your life. You're, you're just right on time. It's not too late. Hang in there. Don't give up. So here's the fulfillment of the promise in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah and as as he as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Isn't that awesome? God said, I'm going to promise you this. And, and then when he came and told him, this is when it's going to happen. Do you know what happened? It happened. You know what happened to, to the Israelites when, when they were in bondage and when they were in slavery? If they would have been able to, to, to get out of that slavery mindset and see what God was promising them, then maybe they would have recognized that, you know what? Hey, this is a covenant that God, a covenant promise that God promised to our fathers. And he's going to fulfill that and he's going to make it, make it new for us. And we're going to walk out of here with great possessions. God made the promise and made the covenant, and God will keep his promises. He has a lot of them. I think there's like 7,827 or 8,727 or 47 or something like that. I can't count them all. There's so many. Almost like the stars of the sky, right? But God's promises are yes and amen in him, right? So now we come to, to a crisis in Abraham's life because this son that they waited on forever is now... Growing up, and, and in verse 22, we see God, see God come to Abraham, and he says, watch this. You think you're having a bad day? Sometimes we are, but watch how bad this day could have been for Abraham. But it wasn't. It turned into being a blessing. It says this, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. See, now he's not Abraham right? Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means father of many nations. So, so he was already, God changed his name and said, I'm going to be to you what I promised. And he put it even in his name. 
God gave us a name too. His name's Jesus. He's the name above every name. But here he is. He said to, said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Wait a second, man. Can you imagine, Abraham's like, I've waited years and years and years for, for this promise to come to pass. And now that it's come to pass, um, you're telling me to take my son, my only son, whom I love, and you want me to take him and you want me to sacrifice him? Are you kidding me? Right? I mean, what would your reaction be? So here, Abraham's like, God, you promised me, man. This ain't how it's going to go down. Uh, this is a really bad deal. I thought you were a God that kept your promises. And didn't you say this? And didn't you co cut a covenant with me that said this? You know, as, as many, look at the stars. Look at the sand. That's how many you're offering. No, Abraham didn't do that. Do you know what he did? Verse 3 says this. Early the next morning. Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Now, if God had told me that, I'd have been like pushing it, man. It'd have been like noon before I left. Man, I would, I'd have had trouble saddling my own donkey, you know? I, I wouldn't have wanted to leave, but it says early the next morning. Abraham trusted and believed in God so much that he knew if God told him, I want, to, I want you to sacrifice your son, that there was a purpose and there was a reason behind it. And if his son was sacrificing, God could bring him back. So he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and, and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. See, Abraham knew he was supposed to take him up there, but he knew that God's promise to him in the covenant he made, God was going to make a way where it seemed to be no way. And God said, we will worship, and then we will come, or Abraham said, we will worship, and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for, his, for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went up on, went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, to, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Wow, they read, Isaac's getting a picture, man. We're going up to sacrifice them, but there ain't nothing to sacrifice. It's just me and my dad, and my dad's kind of weird when it comes to God, so maybe this might not work out too good for me. But Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. My son and the two of them went on together. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's? mine and when they reached the place god had told them about abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it he bound his son isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood 
Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, the son whom you love. Man, talk about rubbing it in. It doesn't say that right there, but it does say it back there. Jesus keeps saying, God keeps saying, hey, I want you to take your son, your only son, the son whom you love. And we'll see years later where God himself said, I'm going to provide my son, and it's my only son. He said, said this is my beloved son, whom I'm well, I, who, I, who I'm well pleased with. Watch this. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son, Abraham looked up, and there in a the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, one of the cool things is we and the Jewish people have is a shofar, and that shofar is blown a lot, and there's like all kinds of different um, different sounds that go with it. But one of the things that you know when when that that horn blows is that God's saying, "I'm your God, and I will provide, and I am faithful." So here we have have there's a scripture that says, "Sound." Sound the trumpet in Zion, right? That's what it's saying. When you hear the hear the trumpet blowing, you know that God's going to provide and that God's going to make a way and that God's with you and that God's for you and that, that he's going to come through for you if you'll just trust him. Trust him, even when you can't see. When he says, says something to you, you can take it to the bank because he's going to fulfill his promise. Not because you can do it, because he's going to do it himself. And that's what the Bible says right here. God himself provided the sacrifice. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide, and, and to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Several years later, there was another mountain, and there was another promise of a birth to come. Now, shoot, jump with me over here to Isaiah. Because we see this promise, and it's all the way in Isaiah, and we see it in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 13, and it says, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, it is not enough to try the patience of men. Why will you try the patience of God also? Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to son and will call him Emmanuel, or God with us. And then we come over here to, um, I'm trying to talk and not look like Mr. Magoo here to you guys, right? <laughs> okay, so, um, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those, okay, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, nevertheless, there, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. And I'm going to tell you why there there will be no more gloom. Now, now hang in there, because like I know, some people are enjoying this. You know, they're like, hey, yeah, vacation. Hey, yeah, look at all the opportunities. And there are some people freaking out. Man, we're stuck in our house. We're going through this and we're going through that. And I don't care if it was like Passover, you know, years ago or they're quarantined. I don't want to be quarantined no more. And then there's other people who are really hurting right now. Maybe they're worried about how they're going to pay for stuff. Maybe they're worried about 
sick loved one or maybe they've lost someone in this and so our heart goes out to you and so we don't take that lightly but we we can tell you that nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress don't don't be distressed you can be at rest because god is not done in the past he humbled the land of zebulun and Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Man, this is in Isaiah. This is years before Jesus even showed up, man. There's a promise coming. There's a promise coming to you. God is not slack concerning his promises, but he will meet them in the very way that he promised. If you'll just trust him, you may not know how, but he says, I'll do it. Just like he walked in between the sacrifices and made a covenant with Abraham, he also made a covenant with you through his son. And he says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. God saying, man, lift your heads up because I ain't done. It may look bad and it may look gloom, but I'm telling you a life is coming and I'm bringing you life and life more abundantly. Trust me, I'm going to do it. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Well, why is that happening? How did that happen? How are you removing the burden and taking away the yoke? Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He's saying, don't, don't carry this weight no more. You, you're not built for that. You don't have to take that weight because Jesus said, I paid the price and I'll take that and you can take what I have because my yoke, it's easy and, and it's light. Trade me. Give it to me. Give me that worry. Give me that depression. Give me that sickness. Give me that hurt. Because I'm going to do a good work in you. And then it's like, why? Why Why can they, they know this is happening? It says this. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you need peace today? I can tell you, he's a peace that breaks down every wall. You can trust him. You can trust him. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You know what God's saying? I'm going to do this. I'm giving you a promise that I'm sending you a Savior, and this Savior is going to be around forever. And so now we're coming to another crisis in belief, just like Abraham had, where God gave him a son and gave him a promise. And now he's saying, I want you to take your son your only son, the son whom you love. And I want you to take him up the mountain and I want you to, to, to sacrifice him. But God says, you know what? 
I'm providing a son and I'm providing a sacrifice and his name's Jesus and I'm going to take him and I, he's going to carry the wood up the mountain and on that mountain, he's going to give his life. And when he gives his life, it's going to mean something that you never even imagined. And so we come over here to Isaiah 53 and in 52, it's so good. And it talks about the suffering of God's servant. Uh, but then we go down to in, at the last part of 52, but we come into Isaiah 53. And I love this because it's so powerful. But it says this, who has believed our message to whom? Has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What message are you believing? What are you listening to? Because I'm telling you, I got good news for you. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Man, he was rejected. He, he, he was a man of sorrows. He knew what suffering was. He suffered because as he was going to the cross, they took this, the, this cat of nine tails and they, they raked it across his back and they put the crown of thorns on his head. And it says this, surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Maybe you're struggling, maybe with, with some health issues. I say be healed in the name of Jesus because of what God done through his son on the cross. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Because like, see, we couldn't keep the covenant ourselves. We couldn't keep the law ourselves. We couldn't keep what God wanted because the Bible says all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. So God said, guess what? I'm not going to put that burden on you. But I'm going to send my son, my only son, the son whom I love. And I'm going to give him for you. So that you can have life. And you can have a relationship. And you can walk. And you can talk. And you can hear my voice. Because I've got great news for you. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her, before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Who do you think they're talking about? It's giving you a thought. I mean, this is Isaiah, and like, we don't even get to the gospel yet, right? So, who are they talking about? Tell you who they're talking about. Hang in there, right? He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, was or nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see 
his offspring and prolong his days and the Lord and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, you know what? He's going to go to the cross and he's going to suffer. And you know what? It's my will that I send my son, my only son, the son whom I love to die in your place because I love you so much. I want to make a way for you and make a way for you to come to me. After the suffering of his soul, I like to, I, I love this because we're getting, we're getting close to a resurrection here. Yet it was the Lord's will in verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. That good news. Just like God told Abraham. He said, this is what's going to happen to your descendants. And then he said, you know what? I want you to take Isaac up and I want you to sacrifice him. And then God provided a lamb. And then we get to the Passover. We get to where the plagues are hit and get to where the end of their slavery. And God says, guess what? I'm going to provide a lamb. I'm going to provide a way for you to get out. And then, just like back then, they put the doorpost of the lamb over their their house. Today, we can put the door, the blood, or the doorpost of, of the lamb, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their heart. Today, we can put the blood of the lamb over our, of their house. Today, we can put the the um, <laughs> blood of the lamb over the doorpost of our heart. It's good news. God told them. Years and years and years before. This is what I'm going to do. And do you know what God did? God kept his promise. God's not slack in, in his promises. And then he goes on. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. There you go. Wasn't because of what, how good you are or how smart or how good looking or however you think. It's because of God's goodness and his love. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressor, transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now it's Easter, right? So it's resurrection day. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So we got to get him. We, we, we're kind of getting him rose up here. But I need to kind of jump over here into the New Testament. Before I do, I want to read in Isaiah 54 because it says this. Sing, O barren woman, you who bore no child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than, a, than of her who has a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent, and cur your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate city. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliate, humiliated, for you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. 
for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the, the God of all the earth. You know what he's saying? The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young only to be rejected, says, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. In a surge of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, with, but with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. So Jesus is on the cross. And and he's getting ready to 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 submit his spirit to the Father. And here the Father, he he had to turn his back on him because he's like, I can't watch, I can't look anymore on that. But here he is, he's turned looking to Jesus, and then he's brokenhearted. And Jesus says, It is finished. It is done. It is complete. The work is complete. Your sins are forgiven. It's all done. And the father turned, when he turns his back from Jesus, when he's looking at Jesus, he turns around and he's got his arms wide open. The Bible says that there was a great shaking and an earthquake and the veil of the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was like God was opening a Christmas present. He said, now you don't need the blood of, of bulls and goats because I gave the, land, the blood of my perfect son and his name's Jesus so that you can have a relationship with him and you can have life with him. So we come in here to Mark and we're seeing Jesus's death here in Mark chapter 15. And then we see in Mark chapter 15, verse 42, how it's preparation day and um, where they're preparing to, to bury him, which we just read about like years before this, right? And now we see it's resurrection day. This is a day we're waiting for. This is a day that that all creation is waiting for because he died for our sins, but he rose again so that we can have life. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And I, I want to tell you something. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in you. And it will make your body alive. So here in verse 16, it says this. Verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? I was reading this study and preparing and that hit me because like a lot of us are saying, well, who's going to, who's going to save us? This looks like a dead situation. We feel like we're buried or this situation looks like there's no hope in it. Who's going to roll away that, that, that tomb, that stone from the tomb? Who, who's going to take this burden off my shoulders? How is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? And we're sitting there asking, how are we going to do it? Because we think that we got to do it. And God's already got a plan worked out for him right here because it says this, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. God made a way. God provided just like he, he provided for Abraham. Just like he provided the lamb that he promised all the way back from Isaiah. 
God made a way where, where there seemed to be no way. And it says this, And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where, where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, why is he telling Peter? Because Peter kind of had a wreck, man. He is going through it. And Peter had to be named separately here because Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, it's all right. I already told you this was going to happen. It's all right. He said, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told, told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. He went and told those who, who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that he had been seen, they did not believe it. Afterward, afterward Jesus appeared in different form to two men while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. So Jesus was on, that was on the road to Emmaus, right? And he runs into these two guys and he's talking to them and they're like, why are you so upset? And they're like, because Jesus was crucified. And he's like, well, it says in Isaiah this, and it says in Genesis this, and it says here that this is in, God, he opened their eyes to see him in the word. And when they saw him in the word, Guess what? They saw him right in front of us. And that's what the word is so powerful in our lives. Because when we see Jesus revealed in the scriptures, then he comes to life in front of us. And we can see, not only see him in the word, but we can see that he's with us and that he loves us and that he's for us right now and right here. Later, later Jesus appeared to the leaven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Duh, he had already told them, right? And he said to them, watch this. This is a promise that, or the reaction, or not reaction, the response that we can have to what Jesus did. He said this, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, so he's saying, you know what? I'm alive and I'm well. Now go tell everyone the good news that I died for their sins and that they can have a relationship with me. And whoever believes on me and is baptized will be saved. The Bible says, believe with your heart, confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and you will be saved. God paid the price so that you can have a relationship with him. It says in verse 17, and these will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and, the, and they will get well. Like this had come, scripture come in handy for Paul when he was, when he was shipwrecked, right? Because he re reached in to, to grab, uh, um, uh, um, we call it a stick out of the fire and a serpent comes out, latched onto him and, and Paul's like, ah, no, I, re I read Mark. I already know, right? I already know what God's promise was. Like he, he says, says, said, it won't hurt me. And then Paul laid hands on the sick, right? 
and they recovered, right? So Paul put what Jesus said to work, and he went into all the world, and he preached the gospel, and that's what God's calling us to do, not just stay in the church, but to go forth and go out and to reach people for, for him, because God loves them so much that he gave his son, his only son, the son whom he loved. And then it says this, And after the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied to it. You know what? God's not slack in his promises. And when we step out and we trust him as the body of Christ, we can, we're proven, we're proving that he is alive and that he is risen and they can see him in us, living through us, living through our good, good works. And men see that light and they're drawn and bring glory to the Father. So maybe you're watching. God bless you for sticking with me. I appreciate you. I appreciate every one of them of you and I, and I love you. But maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him, or maybe you've been running from him. You're like, man, I'm not sure, sure that that you really love me, or that you're really for me, or you've been hurt by a church, or you've been hurt by this or that. But I want to tell you something: the church ain't God. People get hurt by churches. People get hurt by all kinds of things. But God loves you so much that He gave His Son. He said, just believe in your heart that I love you and that I gave my Son for you, and confess with your mouth that I'm Lord, and you'll be saved. So I just ask you, if that's you, just, just say this quick prayer with me. And we're, we're going to turn the, the care and control of our lives over to Jesus. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave. Father, thank you for sending your son. I turn the care and control of my life over you, Father God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You said that prayer, please get a hold of us. You can either email us, call us, we'll, um, message us, however you can do it. We'd love to hear from you, love to pray with you. If you're out there and you need prayer for any reason, please get a hold of us too. So, SilverLakeBaptistChurch.org. You can also go to Silver Lake um, Baptist Church on Facebook. And we'd love to connect with you. Thank you guys for your time. We love you. And happy Resurrection Day. God bless you all. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.